You're listening to Kaniac Sessions with Griff and A.B. Your spot for everything Carolina Hurricanes. It's AB from Kaniac Sessions. If you haven't already, please follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at Kaniac Sessions. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Kaniac Sessions to receive all Hurricanes news, updates, and when the podcasts come out. Thank you so much for listening, and on to the session. Hello out there, Kaniac Nation. Thanks for joining us again on Kaniac Sessions. Uh, This is session two. I'm Griff. That's AB. Uh, We're going to cover some uh, general news that has transpired over the last week or so, and we're going to start a series today. Uh, unfortunately, we're kind of in the dog days of summer. We, we decided to start a podcast uh, when there's nothing going on in the NHL, I feel like. But we have decided we're going to try to uh, start a little series. We're going to cover some of our lineup. Well, actually, all of our lineup. Today, we're going to start with our top six forwards and kind of work our way through the lineup over the next few sessions. But um, we'll get right into it. Uh, let's just let's check on AB. AB, how you doing today, brother? Doing all right. Got some news that I think all Hurricanes fans didn't want to hear or believe it's true, but I understand. Vladimir Tarasenko just signed a one year over five million dollars with the Ottawa Senators. Carolina was interested in Tarasenko for a little while, and made an offer and then free agency and agents happened and everything like that. But when we look at Tarasenko's resume, 2010 was drafted 16th overall by St. Louis, but was acquired in a trade with Ottawa. He spent three years in the KHL Came to St. Louis in the 2012-13 season during the lockout. Played really well. He signed as an RFA in 2015 with St. Louis with an eight-year, 7.5 AAV contract. And recently, he was traded to New York in 2023. He requested a trade during 2021 and was left unprotected in the expansion First became a franchise, but wasn't selected. Four-time All-Star. He won the Stanley Cup in 2019. His best season was in 2021-2022 with 34 goals, 48 assists, 82 points. What I have seen recently going around on Twitter is Tarasenko is getting up there in age. And when I mean getting up there in age... Once you hit your middle 30s to late 30s, the time is ticking on your career, unless you're Patrick Marlowe or Joe Thornton or Brett Burns, for example. But Tarasenko said that he wants to win. However, he goes to Ottawa, who hasn't made the playoffs since, I think, Eric Carlson was playing with Ottawa. 
you had a great chance to come to Carolina, make the playoffs, perhaps clinch the division, but you take a bridge deal, which I understand with Tarasenko, which is a what we talked about, a $5 million deal. You wonder why he takes the deal with Ottawa because your left winger is on the top line, Brady Kachuk. I don't think you're going to put Tarasenko on the right wing. So that top six is pretty solid for Ottawa, but you don't have the key pieces to make a deep playoff run. Yeah, make it make sense. I don't (laughs) – it's purely a money grab. And it's not even that much money. I mean, he's 7.5 in his prior contract. Well, that's when he was good. Well – Fair <laughs> I'm enough. Not I mean, he's good now. He did. He did have 82 points two two seasons ago. To be fair, um, yeah, he might have had a fall off last year, you know. But you know, he's he, he's still capable, in my opinion. No, I agree. Tarasenko, when he's healthy and when he's on, is a great shooter. But when we saw him in New York. He played really well in the first couple of games in the playoffs, but with New York, I don't know what changed when they played New Jersey because of the first two games, they looked dominant. But when it went to game three, game four, and then the other games, the power play was non-existent, and that's where they got most of their goals from. So Tarasenko obviously was trying to get a bigger deal, but with the way that he's been playing and with all the drama, whether it was requesting a trade or injuries or so on and so forth, you can't take a risk on a guy like that who's, yeah, when he was playing really well, scored over 80 points, But now you have a guy who is on a one-year deal and he hadn't really proven himself in a full 82 games because the past couple of seasons he's been hurt. Yeah. I just – I feel like we've been hearing about Tarasenko to the Canes for a couple years now. Ever since he requested that trade back in 21, it was uh, was – the rumor was always Tarasenko to the Canes. And, you know, every time it was uh, – every time the trade deadline approached or last offseason, trade speculations between Carolina and St. Louis were everywhere. Thought that he might come over at the trade deadline this past season, and it just never – it just never happened. And then this is the offseason – it was July 2nd or July 3rd. I don't remember which night it was. I was, I remember I was at the fireworks with the family. I get back to the car after watching the fireworks and my phone blows up with Tarasenko to the Canes, Tarasenko to the Canes. And then it just fireworks. Yes, for sure. And uh, it just never, it never became official. And then we find out in the days to come, he fired his agent. He's hired a new agent. He's going to reevaluate the market. He's, he just he quickly found out that what he wanted was not available, just as a lot of free agents found out this offseason. 
There's just the money's just not out there. The cap didn't go up. We went up a million dollars. Um, you know, and he thought he was special. He thought he thought he should go out there and still be able to get paid. And he quickly found out that that wasn't the case. And I, it was it's been rumored throughout this whole Tarasenko ordeal that um, there was initial offer from Ottawa on the table at the beginning of free agency where they offered him a four-year deal. I don't know what the AAV was, but I believe that they, there was a four-year deal that they offered him. He turned it down. Carolina offered him. I've seen reports anywhere from $3 million to $5 million, anywhere in between. I don't know what's accurate. Uh, but you'd think that Carolina gives you the opportunity to win now. You take a little bit of a pay cut to go and run, make a run for the Stanley Cup. Um, is that worth it to you? I, you know, I guess not. So he's in Ottawa on a uh, one-year, $5 million deal. And then I guess he's going to wait until next year to see where he can go get paid. And maybe it'll be in Ottawa. Uh, maybe it's just a trial for them this year. But uh, it's kind of interesting that Ottawa uh, will be in our barn opening night. So that ought to be a, a good storyline for the fans. I think with Tarasenko is when you think of players that are well-known, you look at the name especially with Tarasenko, and you think superstar worth $7 million when he's healthy. But when you look more into the stats and watch how he plays, you see the difference between the name and between the performance. Yeah, That, I think, is the difference between Tarasenko and if you look at a guy who has the name and could back it up, for example, Connor McDavid. Tarasenko is one of those players who, in a lot of those video game gurus out there, Tarasenko was one of the cover athletes for an NHL game. I remember that. And when you're a cover athlete, you're labeled one of the best players in the league. And when Tarasenko's mm -hmm. healthy, yep. yes, he can be one of the best players in the league. But that hasn't been the case the past couple of years. No, that's that's accurate. I uh, One of the things also why I thought that Carolina was such a fit was his relationship with Dmitry Orlov. Once Dmitry Orlov signed on July 1st, then you start getting all these uh, stories and reports out there about how how close they are, how close their wives are. I believe Orlov is the godfather to um, Tarasenko's child. Uh, so I don't know. I guess that's not worth a million dollars to him. I guess he'd rather have an extra million to go play in Ottawa. I may be yeah. a little bit. I may be a little bit uh, butthurt about it, but I, I was re I really thought it was going to happen. I was really looking forward to it. Speaking of Orloff, I looked at Instagram the other day and I saw him post a Instagram story. He doesn't speak very good English, but he put some corny music on of him moving into the RTU area. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I mean, he's kind of, you know, he's made his home and I'm sure he's going to, I think he's going to play pretty well in Carolina. But anyways... Regarding Carolina, we look at Carolina's lines and we look at the subtractions and we look at the additions. 
I've seen people come up with their own lines and their own takes on where Carolina is going to be in the standings and what their power play, what their penalty kill, what their goalie situation forwards are looking like. But if you look from last year, I think your top six is going to be Bunting, Ajo, and Jarvis. Then you're going to have Sveshnikov, KK, and Natchez. I want to know what you have to think about the top six. Yeah, I uh, that's that's what I have. Yeah, it's you know you bring Bunting in, put him up to, on the top line with Sebastian Ajo and Seth Jarvis. Seth Jarvis is a small guy, but he's very skilled. Uh, even though he's still he's still a very tough player, he still gets into the dirty areas. He he plays bigger than his size. Uh, so I I think you put Bunting up there with those two. Let Bunting work the net front, go retrieve pucks. Um, I think those three would play well together. Bunting has experience on the top line. And as far as the second line goes, unless we see something happen, i.e. a trade, uh, bring in someone else to play second line center, you go back to Yasperi Kotkaniemi, uh, and he – Maybe he takes another step forward. He had a he, he took it, in my opinion, he took a big step forward last year. And he, you know, he had a rough start, but from about I don't know, from maybe December on, you felt like he was playing into his role and kind of growing into his shoes. So, you know, I'm totally fine with running it back with uh, KK on the second line. And before before they before Rod started jumbling up the lines. When they started the season last year, they had Kotkaniemi centering Svechnikov and Natchez. For the first month, month and a half of the season last year, they were one of the top lines in hockey. KK wasn't producing on the score sheet, but he was setting up Natchez, Svechnikov. Um, he was running a lot of the, you know, the the defensive aspect of that line. But they had very good numbers. They were right. Ra- I, I remember uh, uh, reading the reports. And looking at the uh, statistics, and they were probably they were in the, the top three in all of hockey. When so the thing with Rod's coaching system and what I've noticed from different coaches, and a lot of the teams will put their top players on the first line, and then their next players on the, the second, third, fourth. What I've noticed with Rod is he mixes everything up. He doesn't put his top players on the first line. He balances it out. And like you said, when KK was playing, but he wasn't producing points, there were certain times during the season that I saw him playing like Jordan Stahl to getting physical, to getting down into deep areas. But like you said, he made that jump this year and he had – 43 points, so 18 goals, 25 assists. And that came later in the second half of the season. But if you put Bunting, Ajo, and Jarvis on the first line, they'll produce. Sveshnikov, KK, and Natchez, all three of those guys continue to get better. And that's a perfect that's a perfect second line. And they're going to be at one of the top lines next year. If everybody stays healthy, 
and does what they're supposed to do, they're going to be one of the top lines of the NHL. If and we look, look, go ahead, finish your thought. No, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, if I, I fully expect Martin Natchez to take another step forward this year. Uh, he's he comes back. I mean, he was he doubled his production last year from a year, uh, two years ago. So there was two years ago. Everybody wanted to trade him. Everybody wanted to see him go to Arizona, get Natchez out of the lineup. Yep. Don't qualify him. You know, everybody was ready to. And, you know, I'm guilty myself. Uh, me too. But but he comes back, you know, and up until the playoffs, that's a song for another time. But the regular season, the guy was immortal. I feel like he was the he was him, right? 28 goals, 43 assists, 71 points. That's that's a great stat line. And if you look in, if you look even deeper, I mean, he was Mr. Clutch too. Four overtime game-winning goals. I remember that stretch of the year when it was uh, against Dallas. I don't remember who else was in there, but maybe Philadelphia around that time, where he hit two overtime game winners back to back, and they were amazing plays. Um, but four of those came in overtime, and then he added another game-winning goal. So he had five game-winning goals total last year. That's that's clutch. Uh, so if he were to, if he could just progress a little bit more play i feel like if he could just develop his physicality a little bit more we're, we're looking we're looking at an 80 point guy easy like you said the physicality was the question mark going into free agency and we added two players that are physical natchez can make another step forward so can aho so can svechnikov so can jarvis all of those players have potential to make that next step forward because Aho previously had 80 points before, and Sveshnikov, when he's healthy, can easily be a 35, 40-goal scorer. Right. With Natchez, like you and I said, guilty of getting rid of him, and he made that extra step. And with the power play, he looked phenomenal. When I saw the first unit work with Natchez. He was on the left defensive spot on the power play. And the way he was setting up his one-timers looked almost like Ovechkin. The way he was setting up his one-timers, the way he was delivering, he looked, he looked phenomenal. And if you look at the power play this upcoming year, the first unit and the second unit, the Hurricanes are loaded. Yes. You have Bunting coming in, who was on that power play unit in Toronto, gets in the dirty areas. You have Ajo in the middle. You have Natchez and Burns uh, back. Svetch will probably draw in on the right side. But that first power play unit is loaded. And when you look at the second power play, you could add Terrell Vinen, you could add Kokaniemi, you can add Jarvis, what we talked about last episode. Putting Orloff and D'Angelo as the defensemen on the power play, Carolina has the potential to be a top three power play in the NHL. They do, yeah, if they produce. I don't know what it – I mean, there should have been no reason last season. I don't understand – for the life of me, I don't understand why our power play was, was so rough last year. 
I will disagree with you on one thing, though. You got to have Stefan Nason on your power play, too. That guy last year, I mean, it feel, I feel like every time we scored a power play goal, Stefan Nason had something to do with it. I mean, maybe not every single one of them, but I felt like he was always involved. I, I would have that guy uh, on my second power play. No, I agree. That's another name that you could put in there and slot in if you wanted to move, say, on your second power play unit, you could move Teravainen up to a defensive slot, put in Nason, because Nason, during the playoffs, he was always up front, net front presence. And I remember a specific set play against New York. I think it was game four. Yeah, the back, right on the post, right? When right just... on the post. Set it yeah. up right to Natchez. Beautiful. And guys like that, especially Nason's playing on, he's not a top six forward. He's playing on bottom six. But to have a guy like that, to be able to create chances like that and be thrown in to the power play unit and produce – I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of him going on the power play unit. But you also look at how deep Carolina is. Right, yeah, yeah. Rod will switch a lot of that up. He may go for some lineups that may surprise Hurricanes fans. But in the end, you have one of the best coaches in the NHL and should be a Hall of Famer, which I don't understand why he's not a Hall of Famer. Don't but, make, you're gonna make, I don't want to be mad today. You're going to make yeah, me mad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But Rod knows what he's doing. Whatever line combinations he decides, I'm all for it. Yeah, I trust Rod. I I, I just do I, – I do believe that our power play is going to produce this year. I think the additions that they brought brought in and – the progression of our top forwards. I think, I think this team has the ability to be solid on special teams, solid on solid offensively. And of course we know we're going to be solid defensively. I just don't look, you can't look at that lineup and say there's a question on defense, but uh, we're, we're not talking defense today. As much as I love defense, we're going to stick to the forwards. So Andrei Svechnikov, um, he's skating, coming off his ACL tear that caused him to miss the playoffs. This past season, potentially one of the debilitating factors on getting past Florida or even getting a win against Florida in the Easter Conference Final. You think losing a guy like that is obviously hampers your team, but there's a chance that this guy could be back for opening night um, at the rate he's going. But even last year with the injury, leaving, he left in March, I believe it was, 23 goals, 32 assists. He started the, the season last year on fire, and then he kind of cooled off. Russian rocket. Yes, sir. And had his uh, first all-star game selection went down there and performed and, and made Carolina proud, won the fastest skater competition. And you Surprise could just tell it's same, same, but he just, I mean, the, the guy is just such a wholesome dude. Like you could just tell 
he was loving it. He loved every minute of it. A lot of NHL players feel like the all-star week is just, you know, an obligation. Let's go do it. But that guy took it all in, loved it. And that's just, I love that guy. I love his attitude and the way he plays. And I'm glad to have him in Carolina for sure. When Svechnikov first came into the league, a lot of us expected pure goal scoring, which clearly he can do. Point getter, which he's proven. We didn't see the physicality early on until 2019 during the first round against Washington. I don't know what it was, but when the whole situation happened with Ovechkin, it was like a switch flipped to being a pure goal scorer to also being a physical player. Mm -hmm. What I'm afraid with Svechnikov is like we talked about with Pacioretty, but Pacioretty had injuries previously. I do not want Carolina to rush Svechnikov back into the lineup. Yeah. We already have depth. Don't take the chance. Don't rush Svechnikov to produce points or to look good on the lineup because if something happens and you go later down the line to the playoffs like this year and you don't have Svechnikov, there's a huge missing piece to potentially a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I agree. I feel uh, I feel like maybe bringing him back I mean, if he's ready to go opening night, then you got to put him in the lineup. But like we talked about in session one with Pacioretty, you know, was that too soon? We don't want to repeat that. We don't want to rush Vetch back too quick. Um, I originally thought when the injury happened and, you know, everybody was talking about the timeline for Svetch to get back and when he was going to play again and whatnot, I thought the beginning of December felt right. And now he's skating, but – a lot of the progression with Patch already, as you kept hearing, he's ahead of schedule. He's ahead of schedule. He's ahead of schedule. With Andrei Svechnikov, I haven't heard that. I've heard he's where we expect him to be. He's doing the things we expect him to do. So maybe his timeline is more – maybe maybe in his timeline, he's meeting the milestones that he's supposed to meet when he's supposed to meet them. You know, if he's there opening night, that's great. Uh, I just I, – this guy's a franchise player. I don't think they're going to put the guy in the lineup and take the risk if he's not ready to go. With Pacioretty, you saw Carolina acquire Pacioretty and acquire some other pieces to shift all in, and they're all in this year. But with Pacioretty, when he tore his Achilles the first time, all fans wanted updates this is the guy this is this is the guy that can get us over the hump this is the guy that for one year possibly sign him for two more years to finish his career in carolina can be the difference maker but with Sveshnikov, a guy that is young you're keeping long term you don't want to rush and say all in you don't want That's to rush a, a guy point. and say all in compared to a guy like Pacioretty who's only here for a year. You, you have to be careful with your younger guys and your superstars. 
Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, I agree with you there. But let's move on to the backup. We, we're kind of jumping around the first and second lines here, but let's go back up to the first line or what we predict will be the first line. And let's talk about Seth Jarvis. Uh, this coming into his third year in the NHL. You know, last year, I wouldn't go as far as to say it was disappointing. You could definitely tell he was in somewhat of a sophomore slump. There were certain times that were better than others. The hat trick on Cam Ward night comes to mind. Um, but what a night. I just want to stop and say what a night. But Seth Jarvis coming into year three, I look for him to – increase his total points you know coming off of a 14 goal 25 assist year in his sophomore season look for him to put up even more points this year i see him somewhere around the 60 to 65 point mark we bold. we could possibly bold. see it's bold but let me back let me let me t- let me explain myself here so if seth jarvis hangs up on that top line which i fully expect him to do and Michael Bunting goes across the ice, playing the other side, Aho in the middle. And that that line, I would fully expect to stay together over the course of the season. That first line last year was like a rental property. That left side wing was like a rental home. There's more players that came through and played that spot than any, any other position on the ice. If you give if you give Sebastian Ajo and Seth Jarvis somebody on the left side on a consistent night in night out basis somebody that you know he can feed off of and predict each other's moves and so on and so forth all that good stuff I look for Sebastian Ajo to increase his point total and I look for Seth Jarvis to increase his point total as well That all has to do with who he's playing with. And obviously when you have Sebastian Ajo on your line, you're going to score no matter if it's assists or goals. We like you talked about that left wing spot was rental property. You had so many guys shifting through. You had, I think McEachern played on there in the playoffs. You had he Tara yep. you have Svechnikov. It was just Martin Nook. Nook. You had mm-hmm. mismatches. Nason even played up there for a while, I believe. Yeah, that's right. When you bring in a guy like Bunting, who's can score more aggressive, to have him on a line with Aho and Jarvis, Bunting is going to get those second chance points. He's also going to be able to shoot. But having a guy like Bunting on the line with Aho and Jarvis your point total is going to jump up. Now, I don't think it's going to go to 60 for Jarvis. If that happens, I'm all for it. In my opinion, Jarvis could jump to low 50s, high 40s, and Aho can you know, be anywhere from a high 80 to low 90 point getter. Let me Let me ask you this. For Seth Jarvis, I'm going to give you an over-under. Tell me what you take. Seth Jarvis, 28 goals this season. You taking the over or you taking the under? Oh, um, 
That's a good question. I'm going to take under, but not by much. Okay. If I were to give him an estimate, I would say max would be 26. Okay. Minimum 20. Minimum 20. So you're thinking somewhere between 20 and 26 goals. Correct. Well, you know, Martin Natchez, the year we were ready to send him packing, he had 14 <laughs> goals. Last year, Martin Natchez doubled his goals to 28. I fully, my belief is Seth Jarvis does the same. I hope I'm right. Well, Seth, <laughs> the difference between Seth Jarvis and Martin Natchez is not a lot of people have talked about Seth Jarvis. I don't think Natchez got the equal amount of treatment as Jarvis did. I don't know why that was because Jarvis had a great rookie year and second year, you know, uh, took a, not a step back, but took a step back on points. Mm -hmm. But when Natchez did the same thing, it, it was trade for some people, seventh round pick or, Sixth or fifth round pick. With Jarvis, it's a totally different story because you draft Natchez and Jarvis were drafted. I think Jarvis was drafted 13th and Natchez was either 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. Jarvis was inserted into the lineup immediately. Natchez was not. I don't see the comparison of trades and everything like that Jarvis is only going to get better it's during the playoffs is where I see a little bit of a shift because playoffs physical but he also has held his own rookie year wasn't there sophomore year sticks up for himself third year he's going to take that step forward with physicality so last thing on Jarvis, look for him, I think, this year to kind of take more of a role in all situations. I think we'll see him a lot this year on the penalty kill as well. He he did great last year when when Rod put him in on the penalty kill. He played well. So he's really starting to develop into an all-around 200-foot forward. Um, very exciting. And one more thought. When we were, I just, I don't know why this just came to my mind, but that rental position of first line left wing, we also had Pulu Yarvi playing there at some point too. So I just <laughs> had to throw that in there too. But yeah, that's all I got on that. Um, but let's, uh, before we get out of here, let's maybe we just go through the top six forward and kind of give our predictions on their production this year. We'll, we'll stick to goals. Let's just let's just go through and give our prediction on how many goals they'll they'll score this upcoming season. So we'll start with the top line. Michael Bunting, what do you see? Well, he was playing with Matthews last year, and a lot of his goals that I saw were on the power play, and those were in the dirty areas on second chances or beautiful feeds from Matthews. With Aho, who is a great a great playmaker, a great two-way forward. I see Bunting making a little bit of a jump 
I'm going to give him 25 goals. Hmm. See, I was actually going to go the other way. I thought, so maybe I, I'm going to keep him right there. I'm going to put him at 22. I'm going to say that he gets more. I'm going to say he, man, that's tough. Get I'm going to say this. Well, no, I was going to say that, but then I stopped myself because no, oh, I don't believe he'll have more assists. <laughs> I don't believe he'll have more assists. I think I would say, I think 22, I'm going to put Michael Bunting at 22 goals. Okay. So 22. So 23 last year, Aho last year at 36. I see him making the jump bold 40 to 41. Yeah, he's going to be above 40 this year. Um, I'll just say 42 because I'm not going to pick the same one up amount of goals as that's, yeah. what it, that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, we can't pick the same thing, right? That is true. And then Jarvis, we talked about, I said around 20, 20 goal range. And I think you said the same for Jarvis, 20 goal range. Give me, Give me 28. 28. Okay. Svechnikov, if he's healthy, stays healthy, 36. Wow. 36. 36, huh? I don't think he's going to quite get to 36. I was looking more like – I was thinking more like around the Underestimating. Yeah, maybe. I, I look for uh, – hmm. I want to say 32. His His career high is 31, right? I think so. So I'm going to give him one above that. Let's go with 32 for Svech. Isn't it crazy how we're talking about all of these goals? And if you were to look back 10 years ago, and you have all these players now who are – Yeah. Most of the lineup are capable of scoring over 20 goals. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. KK last year had 18 – had the jump last year. I'll say more assists for KK. I'll give KK 32 assists. And I'll say his goal total will be 16. Yeah, I think he increases in the assist areas as well. Um, but I think I think I think right there at 18 to 20 is a good number. Let's just because I'm a total optimist, let's just go 20 goals for KK. All right, finally, Natchez, leading point getter last year. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll give him 33 goals this year. Wow. Wow, that's – hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't – You say more assists or more goals? I think he's good where he's at. I don't see him – I mean, 71 points. Do you – does he – does he – be? That's tough. I, I think he's going to produce about the same. I think that is that may not be his ceiling, but in this system, no, you're right. You're right. I just think you know maybe he gets to thirty, but I think he takes a step back in goals. With I would put him at twenty five goals, about forty five assists, kind of you know somewhere around the same amount of points. I'm going think, to withdraw 
my answer, <laughs> and I am going to say 23, improve the assists. I see Natchez, like you said, going down. I'm going to change my answer. 25, because with Rod's system, you're not going to have five to six 30-goal scorers. Right. Although we would love that. Don't uh, love absolutely. <laughs> but this isn't an uh, all-star lineup. Yeah. But I see Natchez going down from 25 goals, maybe improving his assists, maybe down to 40, 38, and maybe going to the 60-point mark. Well, if Svechnikov's goals go from 23 to what we say, you said, what, 36, 38 or something? And yes. then I said 30. So a lot of those, I mean, I see Natchez setting a lot of those up. So if Svech goals go up, then you would assume Martin Natchez's assists go up. So I, that's that's kind of why I think, you know, I think he he's very close to his the same production that he had the past season. Tara Vinen. 12 goals, 25 assists, 37 points. He was obviously injured for some of the season. If Taravainen's healthy, where do you put him goal-wise and assist-wise? Uh, you know, I don't see I don't see Taravainen getting a lot of time. I mean, unless he mm. unless he comes out and well, first of all, that's assuming he's still going to be on the roster. I'm not even sure he's going to be on the opening night roster, but really? if he is, I don't know. I think he gets traded. I think he. Okay. I think he's. I think he's gone. So who would but, you? Who would you acquire then? Well, I think. I think if. Yeah, I don't know who. I don't know who I would acquire. I just say. I just think if we were to make a trade for a top six goal scorer or a second line center, you know, if they if if Don Waddell decides to go that route, if they want to, you know, acquire a second line center, move KK down to the third line and plug somebody in there. I think Taravainen goes the other way. I think maybe you use him as a trade piece. But if he's on the roster and they are playing him up there, you know, the, I'm sure we'll see him up there at some point in the season. Uh, but I think his home's going to be third or fourth line, unless he comes out and has a total, you know, resurgence. And because last year was just God, it was god awful. I mean, poor guy. Like I love him, but geez, dude, like. You know, but if he's up there, you know, I could see him. I don't think he does any better than, yeah, 10 goals, 12 goals, 15 to 18 assists. I just – I feel like he's on the decline. Teravainen, like you said, I think we'll take a step back. Most likely, I believe, he's not going to be playing for Carolina the entire season. What I've seen from Teravainen – on the power play especially, he has the shot. He just doesn't take it. He looks for the extra pass on the power right. play. If I were to say Tara Vinen were to play, let's say, 35 games, his assist total would increase. His goals would go down to six or five because we've seen in the past that he doesn't like to take the shot. He likes to make the extra pass. I say turbo 
five goals, five, six goals. And then with the 35 games played, if he were to get traded, 22 assists. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, he, it, you know, his past, past first mentality, he just doesn't – I think it's a confidence thing. I think maybe he's in his head a lot last year. We'll see what happens with Turbo this year. Hopefully he, you know, makes me eat my words and he comes out and is, you know, the Turbo that we're all used to seeing. Next on session three, we're going to be covering defensemen. We're going to be covering goaltenders. More rumors on trades, signings. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at Caniac Sessions. If you haven't already, keep up with us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at Caniac Sessions for Hurricanes news, updates, and when the podcasts come out. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all later.